Geek Top 5, Season 5. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And if your spidey sense is a tingling, Geek Top 5 sense that doesn't quite work as well without the alliteration. Uh, it's because we are finally hitting something that we didn't have a chance to hit earlier. Um, that's mostly my fault, folks. Sorry about that. Couldn't get to the theaters thanks to the latest lockdown. But finally, the, the trilogy, or the latest one, is complete. And it's time to talk about possibly Marvel's greatest superhero. This is our Spider-Man movies episode. Graham, what do we got going on here today? Well, we couldn't do a list like this with just the two of us, so we brought in an expert. We brought in Mr. Ryan Allen, an educator extraordinaire. Uh, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks so much. I'm looking forward to it. Why don't you Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with that uh, webbed menace? Absolutely. I'm sure like most people of perhaps our age, born in the 80s, I... You know, the old school Spider-Man show was probably one of my first forays into the superheroes, the iconic theme song. I'll save you the pleasure of me singing. But you got to be know. more specific about when you come to old school Spider-Man uh, show. We got the 60s, 80s and the 90s all have their own Spideys. Uh, I, yeah. Which one is the one with the Spider-Man Spider-Man song does whatever a spider can? Is that that the, would be the 60s. That would be the 60s. So I was watching that on reruns as a child. And that was. Probably how it started for me, but as a kid, I wasn't as into the comic books, but I got obsessed with collecting the cards, the Marvel cards as a kid. Oh. And that's where I really dove into the whole superhero genre. And, you know, I was a Marvel guy. I wasn't into the DC thing. Um, I really got into the X-Men in the 90s TV show. And that that was like my jam, X-Men, Wolverine. Uh, and, and of course, we're talking my language. Now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how have you not been on the show before? You and Graham are practically twins. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was always, always my thing. And then into my you know early adult life, of course, the MCU really took over. And, you know, for the kids in the, in the 70s, the 80s, maybe Star Wars was their thing. But I feel like the MCU has become maybe the Star Wars of our generation. I don't know. Maybe that's a bridge too far. I don't want to offend anyone. But uh, that, you know, since then, it's, it's really taken off. And of course, uh, with Spider-Man coming into the fray, um, you know, in the early 2000s, but then now into the MCU, it's just been been a wild ride. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. Nice. I, I definitely feel like I'm coming from a similar vantage point. I, I've been reading Marvel comics all my life, Marvel in particular, definitely a, a Marvel zombie. And uh, But I have to say, when it comes to the comic book versions, if I were to list my, my top uh, Marvel characters, I don't know if Spider-Man would break the top five. Maybe not even the top 10. If you discount the X-Men, if you let the X-Men be a separate thing, Spider-Man would get closer to the top five, but he's not one of my favorite characters. He's always like come across as kind of whiny to me, but I really enjoy the movies. I don't know what it is, but the movies have connected with me in a way that uh, the comic book version has never quite landed. So I I'm excited to do this list and talk about these versions of the characters. How about you, Jess? I mean, I suspect you're going to find that the that you know, especially in the movies, but the character of Spider-Man is probably the easiest to relate to. It um as much as they add real life character development to characters like, you know, Wolverine, it's hard to identify with, you know, an immortal guy with claws and I just like Spider-Man's just a he's just a kid, just like you and me when we were reading comic books, and, except that he's also really smart and gets to swing around. Um I'm definitely the the least comic-y of the trio here. I basically read whatever was scattered on the floor of Graham's parents' basement when we were growing up. Honestly, I think my my first like real dip into Spider-Man was Spider-Man and Venom Maximum Carnage on Super Nintendo. Uh, that, that was <laughs> that was probably my first real in-depth to the character. So I've only read them in bits and pieces. I've been in and out of reading what's going on. I'm sort of aware of, you know, the general setup and then of kind of what happened to him in Civil War, kind of what happens after some of the ultimate stuff. Um, I am definitely the most removed, which is why for purposes of the list today, I will be acting as the sort of referee uh, while the two more 
uh, well, yeah, well, the two people who have actually gotten, gotten bitten by the spider will be pairing all their lists off against each other. Okay, so we're going to go with our standard dueling list format where we each have our own top fives. We'll start at the bottom and work our way up. If someone says uh, uh, something lower on a list that's higher on the other person's list, we'll wait until we get to the higher uh, entry point. And uh, if you've never listened to the show before, it sounds complicated. It's really easy, and we will figure it out. If you have listened to the show before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So why don't we dive right in? Ryan, what is your number five? All right. I might be starting with some minor controversy, maybe not technically a Spider-Man movie. But as I said, that MCU has grabbed me in the past 10 years or however long it's been now. So I, in my fifth place, I have ranked Infinity War, the Avengers Infinity War film, because Spider-Man is such a key component to this one. So will you allow this? Oh, I will allow it, certainly. Or do you have it Why don't you give us... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't have it higher. Uh, why don't you give us a, a, a rundown on that movie? Just a r- refresher. Of course. So the Infinity War is the end of, or near the end of phase, I guess, three of the MCU. And it's the culmination of, you know, the Avengers coming together and Thanos, the big bad, is working on collecting all the Infinity Stones to, well, spoilers, snap away half the population. And when he first arrives at Earth, of course, we've got... Um, some of our usual cast of Avengers characters, but also Spider-Man really fighting uh, Thanos's minions and Spider-Man and his interactions with Doctor Strange. I think it's the first time he meets him. And then, of course, uh, with Iron Man himself, they're just they're hilarious. They're exciting. It's action packed. He's calling Doctor Strange wizards and he's shocked to find that this exists and he's getting thrown through portals with, with all of his Spider-Man quips, of course. And it just goes from there. You know, he ends up in space and you know, working with Tony Stark and it's this, this father figure relationship. And and it seems like Peter Parker just wants to help himself or let Tony accept him. He wants to help be accepted by Tony. And Tony's got this kid that he wasn't sure about allowing to fight. And then of course, again, we're on spoilers. So at the end of that film, as part of that snap, it's, uh, you know, Spider-Man is of course, one of the victims, right? And that, that line of not feeling so well, Mr. Stark, because if Spider-Man makes me cry, He's getting on my list. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking for sure. That scene is is the maybe the scene from that movie. Absolutely. And I mean, like I said, it's just the action, the quips. He's he's fighting against the Guardians of the Galaxy at one point, and it's you know, with him and Chris Pratt as Star Lord going back and forth, it's you know, like I said, you laugh, you cry. It's uh just a phenomenal movie that has Spider Man as, if not the main character, one of the top build and most important ones. I agree. It didn't make my list because when I think of that movie, I don't think of Spider-Man, but you're right. He is a really important part and uh, they do a lot of good stuff with them. And yeah, what a great movie and what a great uh, beginning of the end of that era of the MCU. And uh, that's that's one of the things that makes the MCU versions of these characters so amazing is that how they all interact, which is something that wasn't possible prior to to the Disney acquisition where the, all the the movie rights were with different companies and something like this was just impossible but to have all these characters on one screen was was uh, made it that much more important a movie and more powerful a movie and an experience so yeah great pick big fan what yeah. do you think Jess but uh, I, frankly I was surprised that you're that supportive of it I mean, don't get me wrong Infinity War definitely one of the best Marvel ones but Graham I know one of the few complaints you have about the MCU Spider-Man is is really epitomized in this movie because this is the debut of the MCU version of the Iron Spider suit um where Spider-Man as he's presented in the MCU really does become less of a Spider-Man and more of a half Spider-Man half Iron Man uh, his robot suit and there were the robot spider legs and all that jazz. Uh, I frankly expected that to bug you a little more. Now, stop me if that discussion is going to come up with later movies. Are we doing bug pen puns or? Uh... <laughs> oh, I, I think it's unavoidable. <laughs> I love this iron spider suit. I, I, I will defend that suit a lot because, again, I, not in that same movie, but in uh, the previous movie when he's the uh, homecoming, when he's in Washington and he's learning to use the suit and his his interactions well, with the computer. There might be, might be a possibility <laughs> yeah, to we'll talk that about that later. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Did I misspeak? Is that is the suit in this movie? I thought this was in the new 
I thought this was new for Infinity War. He, he gets it from the satellite or whatever. Is it actually the same suit from the previous one? I, I do think it's upgraded. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as as the um, Iron Man suit is updated and, and uh, upgraded in every installment of the MCU, the Spider-Man suit works that way. And you're right. That does bug me and I don't like it. And But it's sort of part of the package when you're talking about the MCU version of the character. So yeah, it doesn't give it any, any bonus points for me. Uh, in fact, it, it get, does take points away, but there's so much to like about the MCU versions of the character that is hard for me not to sort of overlook that. Uh, but I, I do, it does bug me that they over technologizing, if that's a word of Spider-Man in these movies, it doesn't feel true to the character, but I can get past it. Fair enough. We should move on. I'll just point out, Ryan, I mean, I am trying to get everyone's perspective, but I'm definitely with you. I love that suit as well. When I'm playing the PlayStation Insomniac Spider-Man, I'm wearing that suit most of the time. That looks (laughs) super cool. Disagree. If I'm going to wear an Iron Spider suit, I'm going to wear the comic one where it's gold and red, and, and that one looks a lot better. But conversation for another time. Fair. Graham, what is your number five? Now, if you thought Ryan's was controversial, I think mine is going to take it to a whole other level of controversy. My number five is Amazing Spider-Man number two. That's uh, that's Killer Croc or Electro? That's Electro. Killer Croc okay. is Batman. Come on, oh, Jesse. Right. Sorry. Uh, no, Lizard <laughs> is what I'm looking for. Right, right, right. Okay. Like I said, not huge into Spider-Man, but please tell us about Amazing Spider-Man 2 Electro Boogaloo. <laughs> it came out in 2014. It's directed by Mark Webb. It is written by the dynamic duo of Kurtzman and Orky with some help from Jeff Pinkner. And it is, uh, you know, they're, they're, I, I didn't like Amazing Spider-Man 1 very much. Uh, so I went into this movie with low expectations. I've never really cared much for Electro. Uh, we were, there was going to be a rehash of Green Goblin. Um, there was, there's the cameo from Paul Giamatti as the Rhino. Again, there's, there's a lot that going in is like a barrier to entry, but it ends up winning me over. There, there's still a lot of stuff I don't like about it, but the things that work for me are the depiction of Electro, again, very different from the comic book version, but he's, he's a real interesting take where he's this socially awkward nerd, probably somewhat handicapped guy who's socially awkward to an extreme he gets rescued by spider-man at one point and spider-man is just nice to him and that's all it takes for this obsession to happen then he somewhat farcically falls into a vat of uh electric eels and gets his electro powers and with this amped up power he it just also amplifies his damaged personality and he becomes a threat and attacks Times Square in a great sequence, a great fight. And they, he ends up teaming up with the green goblin who sort of poisons his, his mind. And it's a bit of a lackluster finale, but all the stuff with electro and Spider-Man in this are great. Uh, I think Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker leaves a lot to be desired, but his Spider-Man is maybe the best Spider-Man we've seen. He's the one who gets the, the, posing down right i think and he's got the quipping and that's the thing that i think is missing the most from some other versions of the character he is funny when he's in the suit and he he, that's so integral to the character in the comics that i think it beefs up this performance more than than some other takes on the character and and it helps to cover up some of the downsides of of this version uh, and one last thing I'll say about it is the music really takes it over the edge for me. I'm not a big movie score guy or movie soundtrack guy. The, a lot of time music sort of passes me by in movies, but in this, especially in the Times Square scene, there's this, the, the music involves whispering and it's like the sounds in uh, Electro's head and it adds to the scene in such an incredible way. Really liked it. Uh, I, I, seeing it in surround sound was amazing. All right, Ryan didn't show up on your list. It did not. I'm I'm shocked that it's on the list. However, <laughs> I, can't, I can't disagree. Some of the points you make, uh, you're not convincing me to move it onto my list, but I can't disagree. I, I love the way you explained about Andrew Garfield being perhaps a lackluster Peter Parker, but an excellent Spider-Man. I couldn't agree more. Um, 
And and I also agree about Electro. Again, as you said, despite the little bit silly following into the, falling into the tank of the eels, he was a really interesting character. And maybe we'll get back to him later uh, in other movies. But yeah, yeah, I can agree with those parts. Now, help me out here because I'm mixing up perhaps my Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Men movies. Is that the one where the backstory of his parents is revealed or is that in the preview? Yeah. It's hinted at in the previous one. And I think this one goes full bore okay. on it. And hated it. Yeah. I hated that part. Hated <laughs> it too. Because this yeah. is not Spider-Man. And that that for me is what just this movie I didn't even consider because I just couldn't get past this. His parents having this backstory of it. Were they working with Dr. Connor? I think it was. And they're, they're working. He worked with Norman Osborn. Osborn, and, pardon me. Sorry. Yeah, uh, and I just, yeah, I couldn't get past that part and, and, and get this movie onto a list. I will say. And this may be controversial, but the ending of this movie, this is where Gwen is falling, right? And yeah. he he catches her in Spider-Man style with the web, but they did flip the script where it's either, I don't know if she hits her head or it's the whiplash, but she doesn't make it. And that's when, of course, I think he retires briefly before coming back for like a cliffhanger with the rhino, but we never got a number three. But but that ending, that, that little just, you know, flipping it on its head that the... Uh, Oh, sorry. Poor choice of words, but changing the story <laughs> from the standard Spider-Man I thought was was good. I actually really liked that. It caught me off guard. I remember the first time seeing it and being like, whoa, she died. That 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 was not expected. So there's certain there certainly is merit to this one. But no, I, I can't. I could not get it onto my list. No way. I, I am fully with you. I, I don't like Peter Parker's being uh, Peter Parker's parents being spies in the comic books. I don't like whatever they do with him with them in this one i don't like the hints that richard parker is still alive there's just like so much i don't like about that stuff uh i don't like the introduction of dr kafka who was a, also a lame character in the comics and to bring him into this for no particular reason was annoying as well they have felicia hardy who is the black cat in the comic book she's harry osborne's assistant in this for no reason it's there's a lot of frustrating stuff like they're they're clearly dropping hints for sequels that they're praying will happen but are never gonna happen and it's it's makes this movie lesser for them because it makes it harder to enjoy this movie on its own because all of these these things are just loose ends that don't go anywhere but i still think that the pieces that are there that i do like elevate it beyond some of the other stuff that didn't make my list we should probably move on so let's i will stop there it's generous but uh agree to disagree and we'll move on back to you ryan all right coming in uh number four i get into who i think is the best overall spider-man uh and that's that's tom holland and it's in that aforementioned homecoming uh the first film where he is the headliner that is higher on my list okay so we'll wait sorry <laughs> we will wait i don't think anyone expected that to be absent from these lists because that's a fun one but yeah we'll revisit it and we'll have to figure out why it's uh, spaced so differently but for now graham what's your number four mine is spider-man 2 the sam raimi one so that's higher on my list okay yeah. i thought it might be <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is gonna yeah, this is gonna be the a lot of meat in the second half. Uh, <laughs> all right, Ryan, back to you for three. So that's where Spider Man Two comes in for me. Okay, and that's uh, where Homecoming comes in for me. <laughs> I, I had a, I had an inkling, yes. Uh, so two thousand four Spider Man Two was, of course, the, the sequel. I mean, we think back to that time of spiky gelled hair and. I don't know what music dashboard confessional coming in on the closing credits. You know, we think back to that time and, you know, this was perhaps the beginning of modern superhero movies. Maybe this is a revisionist, but long before the MCU and just this quintessential sequel that it had it all. It had it all. Um, it's hard to know where to start for this one, but uh you know, they get right into it, right? We've already had our origin story and we get right into, you know, Dr. Octopus, who was perhaps one of the best villains. One of my problems with Spider-Man overall is is the villains often. But this Dr. Octopus was just this this beautiful, sympathetic character, this scientist who, you know, thing, things go wrong, obviously, right? He's got this these arms that he's installing into himself and right into his nervous system. But the chip that's supposed to protect his 
I guess, higher order thinking, you know, fails and, you know, the, the arms take over him and you get this, this monster, uh, that is created. Um, like I said, it's got it all, you know, we have Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock in a bank and they're throwing literal Scrooge McDuck style bags of money at each other. Golden coins are flying everywhere. Um, and then of course, this is where we really get into the, the classic Spider-Man where, you know, I think with Spider-Man, the real, enemy the real villain perhaps not villain but the real conflict is with himself right his balance of trying to be a superhero with the secret identity but also you know trying to be be a kid trying to be a young man you know trying to get mj and then he's losing his powers and it has so many different elements and you know all three acts just just hit on all of this um you know he's he's fighting in the subway and he's got to stop the train there's that iconic scene of course with him stopping the subway and the people of New York step up when he's passing out, just like they did in the first one in the, in the Spider-Man number one, they're throwing things off the bridge at, at the goblin. So it just seemed to have it all. And, you know, it even ends with, with a running ride, run, runaway bride at the very end <laughs> with, uh, with Mary Jane running away from the altar to, uh, to be with Peter. So, you know, between the action and the feeling, the character development, this one was hard to put it, uh, any lower on this list. Honestly, I was, I was fighting to keep it, uh, you know, from the, well, not fighting to keep it from the top, but it was uh, a tough decision to have it even this low. How about you? What, what, what was your uh, thoughts on this one? It did end up lower from me. Uh, and I think it comes down to the fact that it's, it's got a campiness and sort of an attempt to, it's, it's got that Sam Raimi B movie feeling to it that I, I don't know I don't know how well it works in a modern superhero environment anymore, but it does make it very much of its time and very much unique in comparison to a lot of the stuff that we're getting these days. It's a good movie and rewatching it. I, I, there was so much to enjoy from it. I, I really like uh, how poor Peter is and, and how difficult their life is. He, he can, he's never got his rent together. He's always behind on every bill. It's almost, too much it's so painful to watch and it that might also take away from it because it's like he he can't catch a break he is the quintessential version of the bad parker luck thing from the comic books where nothing goes his way and but he still has to do the right thing and it's it's so well done he he can't do anything without making things a little bit worse until he finally succeeds in the end Rosemary Harris is a great Aunt May. Uh, Alfred Molina is a fantastic Doctor Octopus. I yeah, I just you're you're right. It's there's a lot to like about it, uh, and and I do enjoy it. And I do like they slowly are continuing the progression of Harry Osborn becoming the second Green Goblin, which they kind of uh, screw the pooch on in the the third movie. <sighs> Sorry, <laughs> loud enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a nice slow build, and and it doesn't feel like it's just there for for sequel purposes. It's something that works in the own movie and in its own way in this movie. And feels like a you can even if there hadn't been a sequel, you can still enjoy this movie as part of a serialized narrative, even if it doesn't get a chance to be serialized, which is something that I think a lot of these movies that are built like Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2, they're filled with so many Easter eggs and winks and nods to potential things in the future that but they don't serve any purpose in this. It serves a purpose. It's this like continuing madness of Harry Osborn. And I do, I do like it. Uh, but yeah, I like some of these other movies a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to get into, because part of examining the next one is we're going to, it's going to be, I think a lot about the difference in how Spider-Man is portrayed and the collection of the movies in general. Uh, I'll get that to you, Graham, in just a moment. I do want to say that, I mean, yes, as the guy who isn't a Spider-Man fanatic, I also really like this movie. I do want to know if I'm the only one. I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm accepting it. I'm fine with it. But, 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 am I the only one who is a little like, so the thing that drove Doc Ock crazy is that there's a fully realized artificial intelligence controlling his arms and also it's evil? Didn't that seem like a bit of a bit of a jump to anybody? <laughs> you know, perhaps. I mean, it's also the guy got bit with a spider and you know, he grew his own webs. I mean, you know, I put a few things aside myself as well. Yeah, but but fair point that if he designed said computer, why did he make it evil? Yeah, Artificial I, intelligence or not, why did he... It just 
feel like if that's the direction you're going in as a movie that that I mean, it seems like that would sort of be more of a focus. Like, b- well, by I, the way, there's a sinister Cortana in here. Let's, you know, <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I don't know that I would have used that as the thing to do it. Again, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't affect it at all. I just, if, for some reason, that one just makes me scratch my head whenever they talk about it. And it comes up a lot. So I've just been thinking about it. I think in, in, for the purposes of the Sam Raimi movies, they're not meant to be grounded in a realistic reality. They're grounded in a, the heightened comic book reality of the, the books that Raimi grew up with of the sixties, the seventies, the Stan Lee era, where you could have an evil artificial intelligence that just is, is not even glanced at. It's just something offhandedly said and it's, it's just, there and you just have to roll with it and i think it works in this world that Raimi created like like the whole scene where he's unconscious and the tentacles go crazy in the the hospital room and it goes full b movie it's a fantastic scene but it is very much of this world and it wouldn't work in one of the tom holland mcu movies fair that's a fair point um, i guess it just my- I mean, the last should... thing. Okay, go ahead. Just wrap <laughs> it up and we'll move on. Just the uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we moved on was, uh, as much as Andrew Garfield is the the ideal Spider-Man to me, the Tobey Maguire version, I don't think he's a great Spider-Man, but man, he is the perfect Peter Parker. He is the he is nerdy and awkward in a way that you you kind of get why he doesn't really have any friends, why he's an uh, outcast. Some of these other guys like. Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker is a cool skater dude. There's like nothing awkward or uh, unpopular about him. And the Tom Holland one is sort of like cute, geeky guy who doesn't, you know, he wouldn't have a hard time making friends if you want. He's got a friend. He's got Ned. This Peter Parker is alone and the subject of ridicule and cannot catch a break. And he, he is perfect at it. So I, we've got had the ideal Spider-Man for me and the ideal Peter Parker. Maybe we'll see if we can find some sort of nice mix of the two soon. I mean, that's uh, I mean, I was also <laughs> giving you a, a break to rest your voice because now we got to see you guys are balancing these both against each other. Uh, you got to tell us, Graham, you got to tell us about Homecoming and why it just beat out Spider-Man 2. All right, so Spider-Man Homecoming 2017, directed by John Watts. There's like a million credited writers, and we it's our first outing of Tom Holland as the Spider-Man. He he appeared in Civil War, and, and that was his introduction, sort of testing the, the waters. And this is him with his full-on uh, Stark suit. Tony Stark is, is mentoring him as well and being a superhero. Um, but really what it comes down to is this balance of a high school movie and a superhero movie. We've got uh, uh, unrequited crush and the, the beginnings of a relationship with Liz Allen. And then you've also got him fighting the scorpion and gangsters and going out and learning how to use his powers and, and saving the day. And we don't get a rehash of the origin. It's just all considered red in this one. And that is really refreshing and something that more of the superhero movies need to do when they're restarting. It's like, we've seen the beginning so many times. We don't need that intro anymore. Let's just get to the meat of it. And that's what this movie does. Everyone in it is so charming and likable and funny. And Michael Keaton is the villain. He's the vulture. Michael Keaton, our, our Batman growing up is now the villain and the vulture in the comics and the cartoons pretty lame villain an old man who flies around in a green suit and steals money there's nothing that scary about that michael keaton makes this character scary the the scene where he turns around and he turns out that he's the father of uh, peter's date of liz allen that scene in the car is incredible and has more tension and electricity than so many of the other like villain hero fights in a lot of superhero movies, even in other Spider-Man movies love that. And that's why it landed at number three for me. I know when Jesse and I were ranking all the MCU movies, I had it a lot higher than, than you did. And, and I stand by it. It's such a good movie. Ryan, why was Spider-Man two better? First of all, I'm uh, mad at Graham for stealing my notes about the vulture because <laughs> I had, I'm going to read you my notes. It says vulture, a bit weak, but Michael Keaton is awesome. So <laughs> completely agree. That scene in the car made this villain for me because again, I have complaints with Spider-Man villains overall, but that scene in the car, how tense it was, 
was just incredible. And then it feels like, you know, you blink an eye and you've been sprung into this battle on a stealth jet with, you know, with Spider-Man holding on. And uh, he doesn't have his iron spider suit at that point, if I uh, recall correctly. Um, Help me out, did he? No, that's the whole, because yeah, Tony again. Stark's taking it away from him right. because things went bad. Good. Just making sure. I've watched yeah. a lot of Spider-Man in the past 48 hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's fair. So he's he's hanging on and, and it's just him. And, and look, I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I do like the Iron Spider suit a lot. But that was such a beautiful transition where it was taken away from him after this incident on a ferry where, you know, he, he kind of messed everything up, right? He, he got involved where Tony told him not to. So... Things that I loved about this movie, again, we get right into it. No origin origin story. We've done that enough times. And we we get into this, but we've got all these nods, I noticed. I don't know if you caught this, but again, having watched these movies or rewatched them in uh, pretty close together, nods back to the first one. You know, we've got Flash bullying him. Um, we, we go from Flash kind of wanting to beating up, wanting to beat him up to, you know, what's up? penis parker i don't know this is i don't know if this is a sign of the times with the harassment there that uh, peter has to endure but you know we've got these nods and of course you know uh, you know the spider-man tropes of saving people from falling and and all all of this um now the iron spider controversial again i loved this conversation he's having with the suit it felt like he had almost these james bond gadgets at points where he's going through the different types of webs and you know web grenade and rapid fire and I can't, there were so many of them and, you know, having the suit, I'll just pick one for me and activate instant kill. Oh, maybe we don't want that. So I really enjoyed uh, that banter. But like I said, coming back to the end, it was quintessential Spider-Man fighting Michael Keaton, fighting our Batman. And and again, there was a bit of a redemption story at the end. He, he did save him at the end. And I thought that was great. Um, I will point out that I also use YouTube to tie a tie still, just like Peter and <laughs> a, a very different Aunt May, shall we say, from uh, from the previous uh, incarnation. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said. This is one of those movies where I have very little to say that is negative. One other thing I noticed, again, sign of the times, a very positive thing is we've got a lot of representation of uh you know, people who, uh, you know, have different ethnicities in this film. And, and I really liked that. I thought that was great because I think that really matters. And we go back to the early 2000s Spider-Man and there wasn't as much of that. So uh, that was just one thing that I thought was was really great uh, that I noticed. Okay. I, I will also agree that I, uh, I I don't still need the YouTube video to tie a tie, but it, it I did need it for a long time whenever I started whenever I needed to tie a tie. I reached a point where I was wearing a tie pretty regularly, so I got the hang of it. But uh, but yes, YouTube tie-tying videos is central to modern male life, I think. <laughs> uh, I, I I guess this is a point for me to talk about the, the Iron Spider suits and the over-technology aspect of it. It's... One of the things that, that sets Spider-Man apart is that he, in the comics anyway, and I think... It's I think it's important to the character is that he he just has himself. He's he's broke all the time. He, the only thing he's got going for him is his smarts and his ingenuity and whatever he can do in the moment. And having all the technology takes away from that a bit. I do think the movie is charming enough and and fun enough that I get past that pretty easily. But if when we get right down to it, what I want from a Spider-Man movie is Spider-Man with just his powers and that's it. And, and I hope we get that again soon, but uh, perhaps a conversation for later in the list. Uh, Aunt May, like you said, a great, a great update version of the character. I still think Rosemary Harris is maybe not the definitive version, but certainly the closest to the comic book take on it and, and rewatching Spider-Man two in preparation for this. She is so good. And so, so wonderful. But Marissa Tomei as this new version of Aunt May is also great in a completely unique way and updated way and uh, steals the show, steals so many scenes with uh, Peter and the rest of the cast. And I guess going to your point about uh, the diversity, I think, yeah, they went for that in a big way in this that doesn't feel forced or like they're checking boxes. I I guess my one sort of not complaint, but like question mark over my head with this is having his friend be Ned Leeds and um, having it be like such a completely different version of that. Like, like Ned Leeds in the comics is nothing like this, this guy. 
And around the same time this was going on, that Miles Morales had been introduced in the comics and he had a, uh, uh, a, an Asian friend who was with him a lot, whose name was Genki. So when this guy was cast, I figured he, they were just taking Genki and giving him to Peter instead of Miles. And then to have him be named Ned Leeds just was head scratching to me. But I digress. It was fine, and he's great, and he uh, has completely won me over and has erased the comic book Ned Leeds from my memory. Sure, yeah, yeah, that, that must make it a good pretty movie. decisive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't we? Why, what's your number two? I think we're we're back to you for this one. Yeah. Uh, so for my number two, I'm into the most recent one, which is No Way Home. Uh, not yet available on streaming, so haven't rewatched it, but I saw it back in December in theaters. That is uh, higher on my list. Okay, well, hold on. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to be doing uh, the same thing we did last round. Yeah, let's see. Graham, what's your number two? Into the Spider-Verse. Yep, that's, <laughs> okay. that's higher on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, you know, we try to provoke discussion and thought in this show, but damn, some Spider-Man movies are just awesome. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have time at the end to talk about some of the things that didn't make the list, but for now, let's go into it. And in the interest of uh, us both talking about our number ones, why don't you start us off with uh, Spider-Verse? With Spider-Verse. Okay, absolutely. Into the Spider-Verse. Oh my goodness. This is one where it's like, where do you start? I, I will say on a personal note, personal note, I'm a, I'm a stepdad. So this was like one of the first movies I saw with my stepson and he absolutely loved it. So this was like a bonding moment for me as well. But I rewatched it just today and it and it holds up. It's not just the sentimental value. It's uh, absolutely an incredible movie. The first thing that stuck out to me is is the art the art the the uh, the art style this comic book style they have and i've read a bit about it and the way they did the animation and and forgive me because i'm not an animation expert but i think it's the foreground and background are animating at, at different frame rates and it just gives like this cool look to it just this comic book style like it looks like you're watching a comic book not just an animated movie and i loved that Along with they've got that grain of the comic as if it came off of an actual actual printer. You can see the dots. And of course, if you don't know the Spider-Verse movie, I don't know why you're listening to us, but it's, you know, this premise of the multiverse and things splitting. And when things start to split, the 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 dots, it's like the printer's been misaligned. And you see these little flashes of things shaking. And or at least that's how I took it. I, I don't know if that's what they intended, but that's how I took it. Oh, I'd say it's pretty deliberate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's meant to evoke that feeling. Yes, I'm sure yeah. that that was considered. Absolutely. And then even with they've got the little uh, comic book, you know, the bit of narration, the yellow boxes there, which the side note, did anyone have that showing up in Spanish on their Netflix? Because because I did. And I don't know why, but uh, I was able oh, to that fix is strange. it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was Spanish. <laughs> anyway, I had it fixed. And, and then, you know, to get into the actual story, it's just this incredible miles morales it is an origin story but they really take that idea and run with it you know it's it's this running joke of okay let's do this again as each successive spider creature comes into play because they're not even all humans um and they they really play with it um the actors do such a, a great job from Oh goodness, the the gentleman who pay, plays the older Spider Man, he's from the new Nicholas Cage. No, well, yes, Nicholas Cage oh. is incredible, but uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry his name. Is Jake Johnson. Name. Yes, I believe that's Jake Johnson. He's his comedic timing is just hilarious. He's he's taking on this <laughs> this role of a mentor where he's his life is a mess. You know, they they explain his story so well, and he's had this tragic um, story in his world where, you know, he lost Mary Jane and he's, he's out of shape. I, I call him dad bod sweatpants, Spider-Man. And, but he, he's, he's a, you know, he's all of a sudden wants to be this mentor, but he's not very good at it. And then we get, you know, spider Gwen, who's just so incredibly competent. And again, speaking of representation, Miles Morales, obviously, but we've got this strong female who throughout many parts of the film, she's like the competent one, right? Um, I mean, they're all, they're all spider people and, and able to, to do great things, but she has, you know, that scene when they are running away, they've stolen the, uh, the chip and they're in the forest and, you know, um, dad bod Spider-Man's trying to teach Miles Morales how to swing and, you know, it's going okay, but there's a lot of mistakes and, you know, Gwen saves the day there. That's when she's introduced. So, so many amazing things and just the way the story comes full circle and, um, again, if, if, if you bring a tear to my eye, you're going to make the list with, you know, we haven't even gotten into his uncle, you know, dies in front of him and he has to see his dad. And 
Um, it's just, just amazing. I mean, I could go on and on about this. Um, the, f- the final thing, you know, my favorite scene in the whole thing is when Miles has not yet learned to use his powers. He knows he's got them, but he can't control it. And the other spider people are encouraging him. They try some tough love and he can't do it. And he's had his mouth webbed shut when they leave and he has to listen to his father at the door and, you know, dad thinks he won't open the door. And it jumps from this sad scene of his father trying to tell him something terrible has happened to him realizing his powers. And, you know, you spoke of soundtracks before, but that, that what's up danger song when he takes that leap of faith and comes into his own, just, just gives me goosebumps every time. So to me, this is, you know, an unexpectedly, maybe the perfect Spider-Man movie, at least for a whole new generation, right. To, uh, to bring in Miles Morales into this, this world. So yeah, I enjoyed this movie. It is number one for me. I I can't argue with any of that. That is all great. I watched it. I you know I feel like in this modern era where we have so much streaming and so many movies coming out every 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 week, uh, it's I find I don't rewatch stuff very often. But I've watched this movie three, four, five, six times since it came out. And even if I the times I haven't sat all the way through it, I've watched bits and pieces of it here and there and it's so good. And I feel like every time I see it, there's something new that I enjoy about it. There's always something interesting happening on screen. Uh, I, I think last time I watched it, I really appreciated the Chris Pine Spider-Man from the beginning of the movie, the Spider-Man of the Miles Morales world where uh, who, who dies at the beginning uh, spoilers, I guess, but he's so funny and charming and you know, effortlessly Spider-Man in a way that the Jake uh, Johnson version of Spider-Man, Peter B. Parker, you know, can't come anywhere close to touching. He's a mess. And I also, it was sort of a little depressing when I came to the realization that like, at least for this version of me, sort of teetering towards middle-aged version of myself, that was the Spider-Man that I most identified with. Like this Peter (laughs) B. Parker, this (laughs) guy with the sore back, the guy who's uh, not, not just coming to terms with the fact that he's not as great as he used to be or thought he was. And and he's, he's heartbreaking, uh, but also really funny and has a great relationship with all the other characters. And I sort of focus in on him a lot of the times, but it is a Miles Morales movie before anyone else. And and he, with this movie, becomes the Spider-Man of the new generation. And he's great. And I want to see more of him. And I'd like to see a live action version of the character, too. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, I really want to focus in on that for a bit. The... Because everything we've described, if you didn't mention Miles Morales, it could still have been a phenomenal Spider-Man movie. But Miles Morales as a character is so important and done so well on so many levels that I feel uh, I don't I don't want to say he's more important than Peter Parker, but I feel like he doesn't get the attention he deserves for what he's doing. Um, The comparison for this I use is for Black Panther, when the Black Panther movie came out for the MCU. And I really like that movie. I really like everybody who's in it. I really like Chadwick Boseman. I really like Michael B. Jordan. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's for me, Black Panther is one of those movies in the MCU. But that movie spoke to people in a way, it's like a radio frequency that I can't tune into, right? As a middle-aged, privileged, cis, straight, white guy in Canada, that didn't affect me the same way that it would have affected... Like It didn't mean as much to me as it would have meant to... I mean, the example in the movie is, like, think of, like, a young, struggling black kid in Oakland, California. Like, it would have affected... Like, like that movie was for someone. Miles Morales, I think is almost saddled with that. Like, it's a detriment. Like, people think, I mean, this is a nasty thing to say, and I don't endorse saying it, but people think, like, oh, well, that's the ethnic Spider-Man. And that's doing it a disservice. I think that Into the Spider-Verse succeeds in a way where Black Panther didn't quite make it, where that character is 100% as valid a Spider-Man as Peter Parker is. You know, he isn't just the, you know, the this color superhero or the this religion superhero. Miles Morales is introduced so well and has so much of his own stuff going on and his own story and his own characters and his own world 
that it, it it's just a coincidence he has the name Spider-Man and they have a kind of similar power set, but I buy that completely as an independent superhero and I I wish more people paid more attention to it. Maybe that goes back to what you were saying, Graham, about how I'd love to see him in live action. Like I yeah, I was kinda hoping that in the movie we're going to talk about next. Lots of spoiler alerts, by the way. If you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home. But given that it was teased that we were dealing with multiverse stuff, I was kind of hoping to see a surprise reveal of him there, and I was disappointed that he wasn't. I, I couldn't agree more with everything you said, uh, and so well said. Thank you. I, I, I wonder, though, you know, you started off saying that that he might not be more important than Peter Parker, but... I think he could be more important, especially moving forward, right? Uh, because of everything you said. So, and we, we'll we'll get into the live action stuff in the next movie. But before we move on, I, I do have to say I think that this Miles Morales, possibly a controversial thing to say, I think he's better than the comic book version. He's a more interesting character in the comics. I find him, especially when they. They did a time jump that I'm not a fan of and aged him up a bit. He is very serious and he's, he's, you know, hyper competent and, uh, you know, he doesn't always get everything right, but he's just kind of a more bland character. I find, whereas in this, he's a goofy kid who's learning the ways and he's, he screws up and he, he's, he's just trying to find out how to be a superhero in a way that I don't think we got a great hold of in the comic books. I, I agree. I, 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 young goofy Miles Morales is the way to go. I mean, my favorite, I mean, well, okay, this is going to sound biased, but I mean, my favorite interpretation of him is the one from the Insomniac games, the, the Miles mm -hmm. Morales sort of spin-off Spider-Man game, their portrayal of him. I guess it's fair to note, like he, like Miles Morales, the character does play a role in the Peter Parker Spider-Man game, but this is the one where you play as him, where he is Spider-Man and him and Genki, you know, solving like, like there's, there's, yeah, there's big you know, superhero crime stuff, but it's also like awkward teenage stuff. The way the two of it blend together so well, it's such a great modern interpretation of the stuff that Peter Parker used to deal with that doesn't quite fly anymore there's there's just so much room to grow there um i'm just i am super invested in what happens to that character next like in real life like what they do with them and into the spider-verse like bringing it back to the movie we're talking about uh, is such a launch pad such a successful place for it to start i'm just shocked that we haven't seen more to come from that there must be more coming i think there's two i think i saw two uh planned and and goofy Miles Morales. I mean, come on. It's a puberty thing. What yeah. more is there to say? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, Spider-Verse 2 is coming out this year. Great news. Can't wait. Now, that being said, we do have a lot to say about the about Graham's number one as well. Uh, because as much, like, listen, Miles Morales, everything I just said, you know, absolutely. But holy cow, No Way Home, the latest Spider-Man movie. <laughs> Graham, I hope you you have notes because where do you even start? Spoilers, people. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Well, let's start at the the, the beginning. Spider Man. This is this is the third Tom Holland entry, and I don't know how many times he's appeared in the MCU as a whole. I guess this is his sixth appearance. I want to say, and uh, so it. it you have all of this build up. You have all of this established continuity in here. I do think that the movie works on its own terms, but having all of that continuity to coming into it really gives it a leg up over a lot of the other Spider-Man movies over a, a lot of other movies in general. So Spider-Man and, and his friends, uh, he's been outed at the end of the last movie. His identity was revealed by Mysterio uh, Mysterio. And now everything is difficult for him in a way that we haven't seen for a modern superhero character. He's a celebrity everywhere he goes. He's got security and their police and it affects his and his friend's ability to get into college. No one wants him there because of the stuff that's happened with him and the stuff with Mysterio. And he goes to talk to Dr. Strange to get some help. And the two of them accidentally break the spell. And there are ramifications 
people from other from outside the multiverse who know who Peter Parker is, who know Peter Parker is Spider-Man, come into this universe and uh, Peter has to deal with them these uh, dr octopus green goblin the lizard electro sandman they are all there and he needs to get them back and so he and dr strange team up they get this new thing but what he finds out is that if he sends them home they're going back to the moment of their death and he doesn't want to do that and aunt may convinces him that that is the wrong thing to do especially if he can help them dr strange thinks that's a bad idea and like it's not their responsibility there is a fight dr strange gets locked away in an alternate dimension and spider-man decides to try and help them of course it doesn't go well aunt may ends up dying very tragically very sad scene and uh spider-man then finds that there are two other Spider-Men who have come into this dimension and the three of them work together. We've got the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. They form a great triumvirate superhero team and they boost each other up uh, and, and they, they save the day. They defeat the other characters and get them back to their proper home dimensions. And it ends because Peter asks Dr. Strange for another spell that ends up making everyone forget about Peter Parker. And the movie ends with him with no friends, no money. He's got his GED that he's just done and a homemade spider suit. He no longer has the Tony Stark gear that's been carrying him through this trilogy. It is probably the most accurate version to the comic book costume we've ever seen. in those final seconds of the movie, it's, beautiful it is it, it because it has uh, all these characters were introduced in other movies you don't waste time with a lot of introducing and how do you do and getting to know you stuff it's all right there and it's it, it is so it, it's it's almost unfair it's got this unfair advantage because all this narrative work has been done previously and so they get to just have fun with it and talk to each other and have and learn about each other. And it, it's it's great. I don't know what else to say. I've watched it twice now. Both times I've seen it. I've, I didn't want it to end. I could have just sat there watching it over and over again. So good. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have put any of that better. I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, this to me and, and perhaps this is one of the reasons now having this whole set of films to follow the story through that the iron spider suit doesn't bother me not to come back to that. But the fact that at the end of this film, he is back to, you know, our quintessential Spider-Man. He's got a, not a nice apartment. He doesn't have a lot of money. Like you said, he doesn't, he's got his GED. He's not going to college and he's lost all his friends. And I think in this story, and I don't think this is too groundbreaking, but Aunt May becomes this Spider-Man's Uncle Ben, right? That moment of losing her so tragically is what sets so much in motion for Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And I can't wait to see where they go with this character. I really hope they've they've got big plans and keep going with him because, like I said, he, to me, is the best Spider-Man of this era. I really enjoyed in this film the interactions of the three Spider-Men. Uh, you know, some of some of the quips, I think I said before, joking about the web shooters where they're all looking at Tobey Maguire's arms and they're like, you just grew those? We have to make these and mix up the <laughs> the, the web shooter serum or whatever it is. And, uh, and, just, and just trying to get their attention. Yes. And, and, the, and all three of them with the same dialogue at the same yeah. time. Like yes. that was, yeah. So it was just so well done. I mean, this is what these movies have done so well um, in recent times, you know, bringing these ensemble casts together, but in a way that allows us to really follow them through, you know, follow a storyline through so nicely. Um, the fight with Strange was in the mirror dimension, whatever it's called, was was just amazing to watch and so fun to see. And, you know, they they continued to redeem a lot of villains in a lot of ways. Um, again, so... Such a great movie. I can't wait to see it again when it uh, when it comes onto streaming. And yeah, it is it is in my top two as well. But I, not higher than Spider-Verse. No, you heard me talk about Spider-Verse. <laughs> you hear the smile on my face today. <laughs> I didn't know it was this year for number two. So, oh boy. <laughs> so I do think that... I, you're right, for sure. The uh, Doc Ock and Green Goblin in particular have great character arcs and and they are redeemed in a way that they didn't get a chance to in the other ones and i would say that this version of the green goblin is 
better than the one from the first Spider-Man movie, which didn't make either of our lists. But the fact that he, he's when he's Norman, he's a decent guy, which isn't something that was in the original. And when he's the green goblin, he's vicious and vile and the worst. And, and just like he, he earns that title of the arch enemy of Spider-Man that he has in the comics and, and in the movies, I don't know that they've ever really nailed him either with the Norman Osborn or the Harry Osborn version. This version, he is, you you buy the hatred that Tom Holland's Spider-Man has for him. And he's been with the guy for like 10 minutes at this point. And, and you, you buy his hatred of him more than like the Tobey Maguire version might have. It's so well done. Love it. I guess if I was going to quibble with anything in it, um, their Electro it might as well have been a completely new character because he's so different from the Amazing Spider-Man version. Uh, and they probably didn't need the lizard at all. He had nothing to do in the movie, added nothing, accomplished nothing, and is as forgettable as his movie was. Yeah, see, that to me is the weak point of this movie. It, it's, it is a strength and a weakness that it draws so heavily upon the past movies. Like, the reason that Lizard is in this movie is because he was in another movie. So he has to be in this one, right? And there's a lot of jokes that I love, but that are, like you said, Graham, kind of cheating. Like we were talking about how like, it's pretty common opinion on the internet. Andrew Garfield made a great Spider-Man, but a lousy Peter and vice versa for Tobey Maguire. It's not a coincidence that Tobey Maguire in this movie spends almost all of it dressed as Peter Parker, while Andrew Garfield spends almost all of it dressed as Spider-Man. You know, nobody liked point. Point, yeah, nobody liked the Green Goblin's Power Rangers mask. So in this movie, Willem Dafoe destroys the oh, mask. You beat me to it. He yeah. smashes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love all that. All of that is great. But that, all of that is at its best when you've been exposed to internet memes of Spider-Man for 20 years. <laughs> you know, it doesn't feel like a genuine, like it, it, like, it couldn't stand on its own, I think. Is, is both the good thing and the bad thing of this movie. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point because I, I went into this one pretty much unspoiled. I, I think the trailer had a, was it a Doc Ock kind of nod or you knew he was coming, but I, I did not realize to the, the extent that they were doing this multiverse thing. And had I known, I probably would have rewatched more of them going into it. Whereas there, you know, I barely even recognized Electro to your point that I was like, oh, yeah, that guy with the eels, you know, um, <laughs> and, you know, and then the the lizard, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's like a dinosaur now. I forgot. So uh, you're right about that, that it doesn't stand on its own very easily, at least. And for better or worse, that that's a fair point, because I would suggest pretty much all the other films on this list do stand on their own if, if you want them to, if you want to watch them. So. Maybe not Infinity War. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> Infinity War, definitely not. That one picks up in the middle of another movie. <laughs> so take all the ones that start with the word Spider-Man <laughs> and on their own. Uh, so I, I have to think that part of the reason they had all the villains in it that they did was because they were tiptoeing towards a Sinister Six, but they... I mean, you could make an argument that they get there in the thanks to the mid credit scene, but really there's only five. I I wonder if it would have benefited if it had just been one villain from each Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Or like, I guess, I don't know. Like it, it would have been what, Electro and Green Goblin and a Tom Holland villain? And then maybe yeah. with a Venom surprise at the end? It's, yeah. It's tricky. Know. Yeah, that, it's hard. Are we going to talk about Venom? Can we talk about him at some point? Sure, let's do it. So uh, is there going to be a good Venom movie? And oh my gosh, I hope that's not too <laughs> controversial. I, 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 that's my favorite Spider-Man villain. And I, I haven't loved, I mean, Spider-Man 3. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. It was not yeah, a great that, film. That but. 70s show Venom was not great. <laughs> as, I recall, as I recall, he's only Venom for like one scene and the rest of it, he's just Eric Foreman wearing like a dark suit. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, yeah. he's not Venom very, very much. And and then we've kind of got the, uh, those, those standalone Venom movies, but they're, and they're, they're kind of fun and entertaining. I haven't seen the second one. I haven't seen the, uh, the carnage one, but the first one, at least it's, kind of fun but almost like 
comedy action. You know, it's not it's not in the Spider-Man universe the same way. And I, I want to see a real Venom villain for Spider-Man, whether it be Tom Holland or Miles Morales or whomever. But I want to see that that movie. Yeah, I, I think that's what that mid scene is for, right? Is they're showing like, well, they can't have Tom Hardy, but they've left symbiote stuff behind so it can find somebody new to infect. Yeah. And, you know, in the comics, the Venom symbiote has infected a lot of different people. So Flash Thompson. For there you one. Go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah so there's so. a lot of room. Uh, but yeah, I would love to see an MCU Venom. Frankly, I would love to see Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock, uh, but handled by the people running the MCU, not the people <laughs> running whatever's left over at Sony, because yeah, those movies aren't great. Yeah. No, I agreed completely. He, I mean, Spider-Man 3, he's I don't great know. in them, but yeah, the movies themselves aren't great. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember being so disappointed. Spider-Man 3, clearly not on my list that they had this venom story arc but they had so many other characters and i'm like no venom should be able to carry a movie that's such an interesting premise and you know we don't need toby mcguire dancing down the street (laughs) didn't think we could make it through without mentioning that i am under the impression that sam raimi very much wanted to do a sandman movie and was sort of forced to do venom and that's why it ended up like that don't quote me on that uh i think that's that's the common uh, uh, thing and the, the, the having both was the compromise. And I think it shows that, you know, he minimized Venom as much as he could because he wasn't as interested in that character. And frankly, if he wasn't going to do it the way it, it handle it with, with the attention that we would have wanted, I just wish he hadn't done it at all and just done a Sandman movie. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how much you can do with Sandman as a villain, but uh and I think that showed through in this one as well. I always like when we're talking about all the villains that showed up for No Way Home. Did we did we even mention Sandman because he was there? <laughs> he he definitely has more to do than uh, Lizard. He he helps defeat Electro at the beginning, and he's he's sort of a, 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 the closest thing to a voice of reason within the villains for yeah. for a stretch of it. And then he's bad at the climax because reasons. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, Sandman's not a great villain either. I <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess I just want to, there were four movies, four, you know, full-on spider movies that didn't make our the cut. And I think most of them, there's understandable reasons why. But I guess Far From Home, how come that didn't make your list? Far From Home. This is with Mysterio, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They, they go to... Where do they go? They go to Europe. I I just, I didn't buy Mysterio and I just, I just didn't love the whole premise of these disgruntled Stark employees and these drones and the fact that it did manage to trick Spider-Man. Like it works as a movie. It's fine. It probably would be, you know, I probably put it like number seven type thing, right? I'd probably have the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire after my list and probably far from home coming in after that. But I just... I didn't buy it. It was just one of those ones that didn't grab me the way some of the other ones did. And it, it, mainly it was just the whole, the premise of the villain, not even so much the character, but just the whole, that whole premise. For some reason, I couldn't wrap my head around despite wrapping my head around so many superhero movie concepts. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think I would put it down to the writing feeling rushed. Like it didn't quite land the way I, I would have liked it to. There's, there's so much coincidence and stuff that doesn't quite add up for me that I it lost me a bit I I've seen that movie twice now and both times I've left feeling just a little uneasy and cold from it but the the Mysterio fight in the abandoned building is so good like I, I would just watch that scene over and over again if I could it, it is worth the price of admission Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. That's a fun fight. You're right. I guess it yeah I agree it's writing for me it's like that's what I mean by can't wrap, wrap my head around it I just I didn't buy it yeah, I can understand that. I sort of felt the same way. That one, it may also be that it was it was unfortunate to be in the shadow of Endgame. It mm. like you know the most like, important cinematic event in fifty years of movie history, <laughs> and then Spider Man goes to France. Get some baguettes, you know. Put yeah, your bag it, of power. <laughs> It it, it 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 occupies a weird space in those Marvel phases of not being the start of a new phase, but not part of the old phases. Like it definitely 
sticks out. I would have loved to see them rejigger that around a bit. I would have loved to see No Way Home and Captain Marvel maybe trade places. And Captain, oh, the movies, right, right. Yeah. I, sorry. Oh, not the characters. Yeah, no, the, the movies. Like, have the Captain Marvel movie be the start of a new Marvel phase, introducing right. a new hero, right. but have Spider-Man wrap up some of his stuff in time for Endgame. I think that might have improved both of those, but... I. I also hear Captain Marvel and process it as Shazam. That is a me problem. Yeah, that's definitely a you problem. Um, <laughs> but it's but it has come up often enough on this show <laughs> that I should be aware of it. So it's <laughs> my problem as well. <laughs> All right. Well, Spider-Verse versus No Way Home. I think it's the most polite disagreement we're going to have because those are both phenomenal movies. Uh, at the end of the day, it's just a matter if you know you like sweet or spicy essentially like they can both be delicious food so can you tell it's been a while since i've eaten i'm very hungry we should probably wrap this up uh ryan thanks so much for joining us you've got that you've got a lot of spider under your belt that's uh, that's pretty impressive well thank you so much for having me i've had a blast this was great absolutely anytime uh, while we're giving out thanks, I um, also want to thank Oliver Wickham, the guy behind our theme song. Uh, he's a music producer. He's got a bunch of stuff on Spotify. Look him up. Check it out. You won't regret it. There's a ton of cool stuff there. And, of course, thanks to you, the folks at home, or the folks who are active in the community, or the folks who just listen to uh, to help pass the time while they're washing dishes. Um, we know that stuff like this can be super controversial. There is somebody out there who thinks that Spider-Man 3 is the best Spider-Man movie of all time and we're not shutting the door on you if you want to let us know why we're wrong about that one we'd love to hear about it any questions comments concerns or general criticisms um just a great way to keep the conversation going graham how can they get that stuff to us please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com we're on facebook facebook.com slash geektop5 and we're on twitter at geektop5 you can also go to the geektop5.com website and we have little message boards comment boards under every episode so you can contact us there and please go to your podcatcher of choice and rate and review us those ratings and reviews, by the way, uh, they, they help us a ton, not just because they make us feel great, but also because it gives us some idea of the metrics of where and who and how the show is being listened to. So taking a little bit of time out of your day, greatly appreciated. We thank you so much for that. Uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Uh, no Way Home is going to hit streaming at the end of March, but I'm still in theaters all over the place if you haven't had a chance to see it. Otherwise, 20 years of modern Spider-Man cinematic history available at your fingertips. Uh, plenty enough to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>